We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. That's how you hop aboard on this Tuesday night as we get set for the World Series. Again, I'm saying it. It's real, but it doesn't feel real. The Phillies are in the World Series. They'll be down in Houston against the Astros on Friday for Game 1 and Saturday for Game 2. we got a lot to talk about here, including a great guest coming up right now. Sean Pendergast, kind enough to give us a few minutes tonight. He hosts down at our sister station, in Houston at 610 Sports Radio, 610, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. One of the morning show hosts down there willing to give us a few minutes tonight to talk about this World Series and what they're thinking about the Phillies. Sean, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good, Joe. How you doing, man? Well, we're doing great. The Phillies are in the World Series. I mean, it's funny, Sean, the last time these two teams faced each other, obviously, was the last uh, you know week of the season. At that point, the Phillies hadn't clinched. They were the last one to get in the dance. And they're here now. Before we get to the Astros, what is the perception you guys have of the Phillies? Because I could tell you, Sean, here all summer, we doubted if they were any good until they got in the playoffs, and then here they are. Yeah, I will say this. The, the, the celebration on the field at Minute Maid Park making the playoffs, we want that to be the last celebration that you guys have on the field at Minute Maid Park because we've experienced that already in the last couple World Series, uh, a couple World Series ago with uh, Washington winning a Game 7 here. Uh, in 2019, I think the perception of the Phillies, I think normally, Joe, we, you just look at the records of the two teams in the regular season, uh, 106 wins to the Astros, 87 for the Phillies. I think that's the biggest delta in the history of the World Series. Um, this is about as stacked an Astros team that we've had here, certainly from a pitching standpoint. There's guys that haven't pitched in the postseason yet that won double-digit games for this team during the year. Jose Ortiz won 13 games. He hasn't pitched in the postseason yet. Like, it's that's how deep this team is. I think normally the perception would be that this thing's going to be a walkover, that the, that the Astros, who are undefeated in the postseason, are just going to roll right over the Phillies. The problem is we have National League East PTSD from 2019 and 2021 with two similar teams with sort of similar profiles to the Phillies. You know what I mean? Like the, the Nationals in 2019 were kind of floundering midway through the season. The, the Braves in – 2021 we're kind of floundering midway through the season and then they get to the postseason and they take out the defending national league champ and they come in and they beat the astros so i think astro fans and certainly players on the team are on heightened awareness and are not looking at the regular season record of the phillies at all we got our hand over that in analyzing this series i think there's a lot of respect for the phillies 
Sean, how good is this Astros team compared to the other ones? I mean, this is a remarkable stretch. I mean, really one of the great stretches in baseball history, watching a team go to the ALCS every year, you know, for, for years now. Another World Series trip. It's interesting kind of looking at the team and watching them all year. It feels like this one, maybe more than the others, just driven on pitching more yeah. than offense. How would you compare this one to some of the other great ones that you guys have watched the last five, six years? This is the best one, and I think because of the pitching. Offensively, this one is not as good as the ones in 2017 and 2019 when George Springer was still on the team and he was leading off. Um, and last year's team was very good offensively. Look, this year's team is very good offensively, but by Astro standards, from what we've become accustomed to, it's just kind of good. Um, there's holes in the lineup. You know, they get nothing out of the catcher position. Center field has been an enigma all year. Yuli Gurriel has just started to hit in the postseason. He was terrible this year, and he won the batting title in 2021. So there have been some holes in this lineup throughout the season. Um, so offensively, it's not as dangerous a team. And I think I know they're 7-0 and in the postseason, but if you go look at those games, it's the pitching that's getting it done. This pitching staff, Joe, is absurd. It is ridiculous. It's, and it's not just Verlander. It starts with Verlander, but Framber Valdez set the major league record for quality starts in a row in the regular season. He had 25 quality starts in a row this year. And the bullpen, the way these Astros, man, developmentally in their system, and the, they get these pitchers in their system, and they're able to turn these guys' situational relievers into elite-level, uh, you know, just elite-level guys that can just get guys out, you know, ask the Yankees. So it's the best team largely because of how deep the pitching staff is. Sean, how great of a hitter is Jordan Alvarez? I know he didn't have a great ALCS. Yeah. They probably pitched around him a little bit. Just watching that that uh, first series against Seattle. I mean, th- this is going to be fun watching this because we have Bryce Harper on one side who's on an all-time run, and you got yeah. Alvarez on the other. I mean, these two are two of the most dangerous hitters in baseball. No doubt. Uh, the, and, and Jordan Alvarez is more than just a power hitter, and he's been that way since he came up in 2019. They got him for Josh Fields in a trade in 2016 from the Dodgers, like a situational reliever the Dodgers needed. And Jeff Luno, the GM, then got him for Josh Fields, and the guy might be the best all-around hitter in baseball. You'll see uh, this series. You know, Jordan did not have a great series against the Yankees, but for a guy who's, you know, he looks like just a big power hitter, and he is, but he's so disciplined at the plate, and he's able to go with pitches and hit to all fields, He's he's just he's a delight to watch. You know, on top of that, the, the discipline at the plate and the eye that he has. And oh, by the way, he can hit at 480 feet. You know, with a 118 mile an hour velo as well, like he did to close out that game one comeback against Seattle. He's he is awesome. You're right. I like as a fan, you're hoping like you get the Bryce Harper from the NLCS and the Jordan Alvarez from the ALDS against Seattle, and that's a heavyweight fight right there. Sean, the managers in this series, I think it's interesting. I'm sure Fox will highlight this. You know, Rob Thompson, an interim, he waited his whole career to become a manager, and it kind of happened by accident because they fired Girardi. And then the other side, you have a guy like Dusty Baker who's done this so many times, and, you know, I'm sure there's going to be that kind of can they win one for Dusty. I mean, I'm not sure how much longer he has left, but another great year. You know, t- tell us tell about Dusty, and um, do you think he's close to the end? Is he coming back next year? What's the, what's the thought there as the, the Astros try to win one for him? The word is he's coming back next year, and I think everybody in Houston is pretty happy about that. Dusty's very popular here. Dusty navigated this team through really treacherous waters uh, in the wake of the sign-stealing scandal punishment. Like, that was a really, really difficult task he was given to just step into a clubhouse, albeit a talented one. Like, he, you know, he, he, so he stepped onto a talented, into a talented roster. That's good. But the situation he was navigating with the punishment 
and the vitriol in the middle of a COVID season. Uh, he's very popular here. As far as his legacy, look, I mean, I think everybody knows Dusty. This is the last thing he needs on his managerial resume as a World Series championship. Like, he's got everything else. This is the last checkbox for him to fill to, to make him a lock cinch to get to Cooperstown as a manager. He may deserve to get it already, but a, a World Series – a World Series for sure would get him there. I think the thing about this one is, you know, again, Joe, like it's almost like the baseball gods have conspired to make it look like this should be a layup for Dusty, right? I mean, you got a 106-win team that's sweeping its way through the playoffs against an 87-win team that wouldn't even be in the playoffs had they not expanded the playoffs two years ago. Um, and, and with a super deep pitching staff for the Astros, home field advantage, everything else that you need, you know, if he doesn't get it, this is going to be something that he gets criticized for again, the same way he did all the way back in 2002 with the Giants when he had a five-run lead in game six to close out a series, and the Angels wound up winning that thing in seven. So um, we're rooting for Dusty here. I think people around baseball are rooting for Dusty, and that is no doubt one of the biggest two or three storylines of this thing. We're talking to Sean Pendergast, uh, 610, our Odyssey station, sports radio down in Houston, kind enough to talk to us here uh, on the evening show. Sean, you mentioned that the Astros haven't lost a postseason game yet. Has that become a talking point among you guys? Have, have the players commented on it? Because, I mean, you have to go back to the uh, the 76 Big Machine Reds for a team that yeah. swept their way through the playoffs. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I think we'll have a competitive series here, even if the Astros do win it. I I'd be surprised if Phillies got swept in this series, but has, have the have the Astros started been asked about this? Because it's uh, it's obviously pretty rare. They're definitely getting asked about it, and their answers have been good in that they've pointed out every time, like, look how close these games are. You know, like these games, and, and it's true. You go look; they're not blowing any of these teams out. You know, they're not. They, the Yankees, other than the five nothing game in Game Three, they're all close games. All three. Seattle could have won any of those games that they played in the ALDS. Um, so I think they're taking it more as just, hey, look, these games have all been close. We're not taking anybody lightly. The fact that we're undefeated and our run differential is, you know, not, not that impressive for a 7-0 and run speaks to how good they've been situationally, speaks how good they've been in close games. Uh, and I think you can ask any Yankee fan, you look at those two games in Yankee Stadium and what opened the door for the Astros in each of those games were errors by the Yankees. The, the Bader dropped fly ball in game three, left the door open for the Chaz McCormick home run, and then the just catastrophic botched double play that gave the Astros, you know, gave the Astros life and eventually led to Alvarez and Bregman back-to-back RBI singles, and then that was curtains in that series. That is my word of warning to Philadelphia. You make <laughs> play defense. Make your routine plays, because if you don't, this Astros team pounces every single time so uh they put the ball in play they don't strike out a lot they're a really good team for all those little things like that yeah well you just hit on my biggest fear sean the phillies aren't i mean this is a beer league softball team uh that makes a lot of mistakes and they they usually out hit them or find a way but i that that's my fear is the philly if i had if i can map out how the phillies don't win because how they do is is pretty simple they're starting pitching and their bullpen, their, their best arms kind of dominate, and they get a bunch yep. of home runs from Schwarber and Harper and Hoskins, and they win, uh, kind of like the 2019 Nationals did in a sense. But if they lose, it's because their defense, their, their third and fourth starters, and kind of the underbelly of their pitching staff, that undoes them. Sean, if the Astros don't win this, if the Astros lose to the Phillies, what happened? How do the Astros not win this series? I think it'll be because they, they, they go through – one of these lulls hitting wise that they've actually been kind of plagued with at times during the regular season. They've had some spells 
during the regular season. You go look at their schedule and their game log, and they, they, they stand out pretty easily. They've had, they've had stretches where, as a team, collectively, they haven't hit very well. And if you look the way they were living in that Yankees series, you know, they, they, were, they were not getting anything out of Altuve, out of Alvarez, out of Kyle Tucker. Those are the three guys, everyday players, that made the all-star team this year for, for the Astros. Those three guys didn't do anything in that series. It's really no way to be living to count on Yuli Gurriel and Chaz McCormick and guys, you know, Jeremy Pena was the MVP of the ALCS. Now, Jeremy Pena may just be a guy who's a really good player who's ascending that belongs in that mix with the Bregmans and the Altuves of the world. We don't really know. He's been hitting the ball really well. But I think, to answer your question, Joe, if they lose, it'll be because the pitching you talked about with the Phillies, that the Phillies were able to kind of take that top-heavy pitching that they've got. We're really good with Wheeler, uh, really good with Nola, few of those relievers, and, you know, and for the World Series – so you're able to cobble some things together and pitch guys in weird spots like the Nationals did with Scherzer a few years ago against the Astros, and they're able to shut down the Astros lineup. That's how the Phillies win this thing. Last one for you, Sean Pendergast from down at 610 Sports Radio in Houston. I, I was reading a story today. Uh, Mike Petriello, MLB.com, was trying to find the weak link in the Astros pitching staff, and, and kind of by the end of the story, you realize he can't. There is no weak <laughs> yeah. link. Let uh, me know when he finds it. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. He, he didn't. But for you, of the Astros pitching staff, at least you know the guys you project to, to be active for the World Series, yeah. give me the one. Is there, is there one guy that I could feel like, all right, maybe the Phillies could get him? Is there one guy, they're not pitching well, been a little wild? Like, who's the – if there is a weak link, who do you not want on the mound? Tie game, game four, Citizens Bank Park. Yeah, I, I think that, that a couple of the relievers, um, Rafael Montero – None of these guys that you're going to look at, none of them have bad numbers. So you're, you're right. Like, that's the, the exercise of trying to find the one. Oh, yeah, here's the guy with the 4.92 ERA. You're not going to find that guy. And if he's there, he's not on the roster um, for, the, for the World Series. Rafael Montero, setup guy, has been a little trafficy. Uh, Hunter Brown is a name. He is their number one prospect who they've called up in September. And he is a, just an amazing starting pitcher, but he obviously doesn't crack this rotation. So he's been sort of a one-and-two-inning reliever for them. He got a little sideways in game three against the Yankees and, and left the game with a couple runners on base, and he's a rookie pitching in the World Series. Like, he, he did look like that ALCS might have been a little big for him. Um, so a few of those guys, you know, Brian Abreu is a middle reliever who has amazing stuff, but he's a little scary at times. And even Ryan Presley, their closer, who's been great this postseason, he's, he's not a dominant, dominant closer. You know what I mean? Like, he's not a hammer. He's a really good pitcher who happens to pitch the ninth inning for the Astros. So I would say the bullpen is really good statistically, and they're really good. They're just really, really good. I mean, you're asking how a you know, 106-win team is going to lose a World Series and what the flaws are in the best pitching staff we've ever seen. And I'm telling you, like, if there is, that's probably what it is. But I don't know. That it's, it's obviously not something you can count on, you know. Yeah, when it's tough to find a weak link, I guess that's how you win 106 yeah. games. Sean, appreciate you hopping on. Uh, enjoy it. It should be a lot of fun starting off Friday night. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. A lot of, a lot of uh, Philly folks going to be invading because we got Thursday night football next week, too, down here. Yeah, we're taking over. I'm, I'm coming down for game one and two. I won't be there through, you know, through the football game next week. But, yeah, we're, we're going to be invading. So just watch out for all these uh, crazy Philadelphia fans, Sean. That's all right. I, I, my, my mom's side of the family's from Philly, so I'm, I'm cool with it, man. It's all good. There we go, Sean. Appreciate it, man. Have a good night. Be good. There he goes. Sean Pendergast from down at 610 uh, Sports Radio down in Houston. So he um, he even struggled to find a weekly. Though he mentioned the bullpen, it's not, you know, they're all good. But like, What were the names he mentioned? He mentioned Hunter Brown. 
Hunter Brown, the rookie pitcher who's now in their bullpen. Who kind of had an ERA of .89 this year. Okay, he mentioned uh, he thinks Ra- uh, Rafael Montero is is just been okay lately. Whose ERA is two point three seven this year. And he mentioned Ryan Presley, their closer, who he said is a good closer, but not like a you know one of the top guys like Edwin Diaz. He had a WHIP of .89 and an ERA of two point nine eight. These are their weak links. I think you also mentioned Brian Abreu. His ERA was one point nine four. He did mention him. Yeah, I mean, you look at I, I just tweeted it out. You look at their pitching staff. They had 18 different guys throw 10 innings this year. Mm-hmm. None of their ERAs were over four. Everyone on that team that pitched this year had a sub-four ERA. Well, I guess that's how you have a team ERA under three for an entire season pitching in a bandbox. I mean, that, that's that, left and right field. You can hit home runs there. Yeah, I mean, look at their how they stack up against the other AL teams. Number one in ERA. Number one in shutouts. Number one in saves. Number one in hits allowed. Number one in runs allowed. Number one in home runs allowed. Number one in strikeouts. Yeah, it, it's they're uh, seventh in walks, though. If you're looking for a, a weak spot, well, I mean the Phillies have some guys that will take their walks, right? Uh, between Schwarber and Hoskins and Harper, they they will be patient. That 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 if I mean we're looking for little things, right? Little, little silver linings that could get the Phillies uh, to win this thing. I mean, but the biggest thing is they need their pitching to pitch well. They need the most innings they could get locked down from Nola and Wheeler and Alvarado and Sir Anthony, like those four. And, and Ranger, right? We'll throw Ranger in as, as the fifth guy. Like they have to pitch as many innings as possible, and then you know, leave the rest for the other guys. I mean, I'm still amazed that they won Game Four. I wonder how many postseason games in history a team went down four nothing in the top of the first and won the game convincingly. Can't be many. Well, the Padres did it like three days earlier to the Phillies. Yeah, but not to, they weren't down four nothing in the top of the first. No, it's the top of the second. I guess it was second. The Phillies had that inning. It just feels like it's like you're taking the air out of your tire. You to get your starter out of the game. What? How many uh, guys did fall to retire? Any? Two. two. So you got two outs, and Clevenger got none. Right. He got none. They, like they keep winning. They've won the the bullpen game in each of the last two series. That's I mean, amazing. They, they've stole. Like it's funny because they went what one and one in the Wheeler and Nola starts this series. Yes. And those are the games that we expect them to do, or I guess two and one because Wheeler got a second start. Right. But their ability, I think, to, to score early has really helped them because the Padres have a pretty good bullpen. They, they have guys like Nick Martinez and obviously Josh Hader, who I don't know why they even paid for his flight to Philadelphia. He could have sat at home I can't in San Diego it. and contributed just as much as he did in, in the series. Their ability to get early leads and kind of take guys like that out of the series has been huge for them. They did the same thing against the Braves. I mean, they jump up early, and it gets to a point where you're not wasting Josh Hader down 8-5. You're not wasting Nick Martinez or, or Will Smith when, when you're down two runs in the eighth inning. Of course you're not. Yeah, and then I I, I mean, Melvin's decision not to use Hader on Sunday was, re- I mean, remarkably dumb. I mean, his, and his excuse after the game, he wasn't ready. He wasn't – you you decide when to get him warmed up. Also, he was warming, and – Watching the game and being at the game, it felt like Suarez was stalling. He kept stepping off the mound. He wasn't going. They they came out and had a mound visit. I really thought they were stalling to bring Hader in. I thought there was no way in hell he would actually step on the mound and throw a pitch. They traded for this guy. He's one of the, the biggest imp- – like, there's not many relievers that are impact guys, right, that changed the game because they come in and strike everybody out. Like, he's one of those guys. That, uh, our last guest just mentioned the Astros don't have any of those kind of relievers. They have a lot of good ones. Nobody like Hader. He pitched one inning in this series. Imagine if I told you before the series started, the Phillies would win the series, and Josh Hader would throw one inning. 
Like it's it's like what what are we do what are they doing? I mean, it's, I'm glad, glad it happened. The Phillies won the series. Or Bryce Harper had a moment to remember, but that is that's insane. It reminds me of the Zach Britton thing. I mean, every once in a while, a, a manager will just kind of twist themselves in a pretzel. The best thing about um, Rob Thompson is he hasn't had a killer mistake. No, and he's almost done the opposite, where he's gone for the kill in every game the Phillies have had a chance to. Right? Yep. I, I remember. You know, dating back to, to game three where he really bled the bullpen dry, having Sir Anthony go two innings, having Alvarado throw 30 pitches, use Eflin as well. And everyone thought, wow, you're going into a bullpen game without your three best pitchers. Guess what? They won that game anyway. That partly because Connor Brogdon got seven outs, which was huge and, and something we don't really yep. talk about enough. But his ability to just keep going out and playing every game like a game seven is what helped this team win, whereas Bob Melvin now has a really rested bullpen for, for the golf course the next three months. Yeah, you can enjoy that. 215-592-9494. It's how you hop aboard on this Tuesday night. Of all the Phillies, and let's not lie, let's not pretend, we doubted them. I doubted them. Tucker doubted them. You doubted them. Which one? Which Of all of them, which one has proven you the most wrong this postseason? I went with John Middleton because I questioned if he was a good owner. Not if he didn't wouldn't spend money. Not if he was... I never thought he was a bad owner, but did he know what he was doing? Could he hire the right people, get this thing up and running and built the right way? Well, they're in the World Series. His money drove this thing. He paid $100 million for Zach Wheeler, more than that. He landed Bryce Harper, who just had one of the great postseasons in the history of baseball. He gave the $80 million to Kyle Strober as this farm system struggled because the original hires by Middleton of Klintak and McPhail failed. He didn't just say, uh-oh, what are we going to do? No, he went out and spent to put this thing on track. He and he got Dombrowski to come in here, even though Dombrowski didn't seem like he was really chomping at the bit to come back and run a team again while he was in Nashville building a house and get ready for an expansion. He got Dombrowski to come in here and put the finishing touch on this thing. I was most wrong about John Middleton. Tucker chose Bryce Harper. How about you? 215-592-9494. Which Philly proved you the most wrong over the course of this season? And when we get back... Two things that really, like, we're talking about this team of destiny, meant to be stuff. There's two major things that happened this year. And if it wasn't for these things, the Phillies would not be in the World Series. We'll hit that next. I want your phone calls. 215-592-9494 on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Football season is underway. So now is the perfect time to download FanDuel in partnership with Valley Forge Casino. America's number one sports. Because right now, new customers getting no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars that's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win sign up promo code chilio look fanduel lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay and with live betting you get updated odds on games that have already started all an app that's safe secure and super easy to use i love the fanduel app fanduel sportsbook is the official partner of 94 wip so sign up today promo code chilio for your no sweat first bet that's promo code g-i-g-l-i-o make every moment more this season with fanduel official sportsbook partner of the NFL. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. The Phillies are in the World Series. It all starts Friday night. I'm going to be down there. Um, WIP is setting uh, myself uh, and then also the afternoon show down to down to Houston on Friday. So I'm going to head Did down. Did you just keep your backpack from when you were supposed to go to San Diego? Yes. I mean, literally. I mean, I, I, I needed a couple things out of it, but I'm not unpacking my bag. I mean, why would I? So, yeah, I mean, if you missed the story yesterday, I hopped on Mark Cerise and I, I told them. So on um, Sunday, I, I was scheduled to be the only one from WIP to go out to San Diego. If there was a game six, six and seven, I was going to go out there and represent the station, cover the game, you know, hop on the air with any of the shows that wanted to talk, all that kind of stuff for those two days, which today would have been game seven. So, but usually there's a travel day. I mean, this typically in a series, this wouldn't have been that complicated. I would have left on a travel day. There was no travel day scheduled, as we know, in the NLCS. So when the game started on Sunday afternoon, I was all I was hoping for more than anything. I mean, I wanted the Phillies to win. I just wanted the game to declare itself. I, I wanted one team to be up like 10 nothing. So I knew if I had to go to the airport like that, that would have been simple. Seventh inning rolls around. It's 10 nothing. All right, I'm going or I'm not going. It's very easy. What I was kind of nervous about was a very tight game in which the outcome would be determined, you know, as I need to go into the airport. And that's exactly what happened. We left around the time Dominguez got on the mound and they were winning when we got in the car. Then they blew the lead. So I was like, all right, I'm going. And then we pulled up to the airport right around the time at the bottom of the eighth, JT singled. And then I sat in the car outside Terminal C and watched and listened to the Bryce Harper home run. And I also didn't know, because I haven't flown much recently, like how much time is necessary inside to go through all the little steps you got to go through, the safety protocols. So I was like, am I going to miss the flight if this thing goes to extra innings? Or if the when Robertson put the two runners on, I started to lose my mind. Like that's when I was like, oh no, like I'm either going to miss this flight or I'm going to have to go when the game is tied and be flying over the country as the Phillies win the pennant. Now, would you pay for the Wi-Fi so you could watch the end of the game? You mean, would or would all- you like the surprise of like a six-hour flight and you land in San Diego and find out you have to turn around and come back? Perhaps if it was an hour or two-hour flight, that would have been a fun little surprise. Five and a half hours of not sitting there not knowing what the heck's going on. Also, Odyssey would have paid for the Wi-Fi. That's true. Yeah, I was. But anyway, I am going down to game one and two this weekend, uh, so I'm very excited about it. But, you know, I wouldn't be going to Houston. The Phillies wouldn't be going to Houston. The Phillies wouldn't have been in the playoffs or close to the World Series if not for two things, and I don't know if we're talking enough about them. Two significant Major League Baseball rule changes, and the Phillies benefited from them 
more than anything. Like, I remember talking about this in, in during the lockout. Like, if these things happen, it'd be good for the Phillies. I never thought to this extent. Number one, the expanded playoffs. I mean, they're the last team in. If not for the extra playoff spot, they don't go to the playoffs. That's number one. But two, and I think this one might be even more significant. This is the first year of the universal DH. If not for the universal DH, if not for the DH coming to the NL, Bryce Harper probably wouldn't have played a game since, what was that, like the second week of the season? He played eight games in right field this year. That, I mean, just for a second, think about that. The Phillies' best player, their most important hitter, who just had a historic you know, postseason run to get them there with one of the most dramatic home runs in the history of the franchise, would have been out and probably had surgery ready. Like, he would have been out since April. And I know they survived his absence for two months. They wouldn't be here if he was out since April. And he still wouldn't be back, right? Because, I mean, you kind of see the writing on the wall. He was trying to throw through, like, mid-May. Yeah. Like, like he, if he were destined for surgery, he probably wouldn't have gotten it until June. Right. I mean, you're right about that. He probably would have tried to come back, and it wouldn't have worked. I mean, it's it's remarkable how those two things changed everything and really opened it up. It opened up an extra playoff spot. They jumped in, took advantage of it, and it allowed Bryce Harper to keep hitting. It's funny. No one's brought up his elbow in a while. Like, I didn't even hear any of the nat- – did did um not Buck, did Davis and Smoltz or Rosenthal bring it up? Like, it's a major story that he can't throw, and yet he can hit. Yeah, I think it's just accepted now. It's yeah. just it, it is interesting that him just being a designated hitter is what he is. Yeah, I mean, we got used to it here, right? Like, we talked about it for a while in April and May. Like, okay, I guess it doesn't bother him when he hits. He can't throw, but it doesn't affect him or make it worse when he hits. But it, it hasn't been a – I wonder if they'll talk about it during the World Series. Jim is in Phoenix. Jim, you called it, Jim. How you feeling? Joe, I've been looking forward to having a good conversation with you, buddy. Um, I'll tell you what, I've been anxious to talk to you about the series. Um, let's look at each series that we've gone through so far, okay. and this is how I'm going to get to my prediction. So everybody said that we couldn't play defense, that we were the worst defensive team. Our, our series against St. Louis, we were the better defensive team. We played Atlanta. We couldn't hit with Atlanta. Well, we just bludgeoned them 17-4 to at home, and they didn't even belong in the same field with us at home. And then finally against San Diego, it's like, oh, well, they've got the home field advantage. Well, of course, we've always played well in San Diego, and we were the one that executed in the clutch. And what we're going to need is a sprinkle of all three of those things against Houston. Now, you ask, how are we going to beat the Houston Astros? They're this great team. You know, oh, we should be scared of them, intimidated. I'm not. All you got to do is outplay them over seven games. You don't have to outplay them over 162 games. The Philadelphia Phillies are not the team in the regular season. If you've been watching, and I know you have, they've upped their game in all levels. They played tremendous in this 9-2 stretch, and all they have to do is continue to play this way. The only thing I worry about is the layoff. But if we execute small ball, we move runners when we have to move runners, we swing at strikes when we get strikes to swing at, and we don't swing out of the strike zone. We make the routine plays when we have a chance to make the routine plays, and we just outplay them in the game of baseball, just doing the fundamental little things. That'll take us over the top, and we're going to win this in seven games. Now, here's what's really important to keep an eye on that nobody has really talked about, and you and I talked about this together before the Arizona-San Francisco trip. Mm. 
the umpiring crew, the umpiring crew can have such an effect on a game and who you draw. There are some umpires that have big favoritisms toward the home team. There are other umpires like uh, the goofball that uh, threw Schwarber out. Oh, um, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, he's a big... Hernandez, a Angel Hernandez. Angel Hernandez. Hopefully we won't see him, but he's a big visitor guy. So you have to kind of keep an eye on who we draw as far as an umpiring crew. Who's going to umpire in Houston and who's going to umpire in Philadelphia? Have they announced that Angel- yet? Have they announced that yet? They have not, and it'll probably come tomorrow, so keep an eye on it. And they're going to announce seven umpires. Right, right. So you're going to have six, and you're going to have one that won't umpire, but will probably sit out first base and get game two. So just kind of keep an eye on that because that's a big thing. But my last point is this. If Houston is so much better than the Philadelphia Phillies, then why are the guys that are up north and supposed to be of me and are supposed to be so smart about everything, don't even have them as a minus 200 favorite in this entire World Series. Yeah, it's a good question. I think it's because it's baseball, right? Like, I don't think anyone should be that big of a favorite in a series. Exactly. Yeah, and the Phillies, and I think the point you made is fair, and I I think it's not over 162, because over 162, the facts are the facts, right? The Astros were that much better. It's the Our last guest mentioned it's the biggest delta between – you know, uh, two teams win win total in in the history of the World Series. They were that much better in in the regular season. That doesn't really matter. Starting Friday night, the Phillies need to win four of seven games. That's all that matters. I said it in the early part of the show with Howard. I'll say it again. If the Phillies play an A World Series, I think they win. They have to play. They haven't played a baseball yet. They've they're close. They've had moments, but I mean, remember Game Three. That was an A baseball. I mean, Jeet Segura getting picked off, the issue in the field, the ball that went over Reese Hoskins' glove. If the, and I don't mean they can't have an error the entire series. That's that's hard to to say. I mean, like they're they're going to make a mistake. But for, you know, when a series is over, you say they've played their A game, they played their B game. If they play their A or A plus game, I think they'll win. If they play a B series, I think they'll lose. And I think you kind of watch the games that mistakes they made in the regular season they're still making yeah. like their their fielding still leaves a lot to be desired the bullpen hasn't been anything close to lockdown especially guys not named Dominguez or Alvarado even though Dominguez gave up the lead but I, I blame that more on the rain than him but I, I do think you look at the way the postseason is constructed and we've seen it so far the reason why the Astros win 106 games and the Dodgers won 111 games is they have 40 guys on their 40-man roster who can contribute yeah in a seven-game series, you don't get to that point, right? You, you can get by with a team with four or five really good hitters, two or three really good starting pitchers, and two or three really good relievers, and that's where the Phillies are right now. I mean, in, in seven games, to win four of the next seven, you might only need that. It, it's not like the regular season where you need 35 guys to contribute if you want to win 110 games. I wonder if Rob Thompson will be play this series more aggressive with defense because the Astros don't strike out. Howard mentioned earlier. I mean, they had. I mean, they're amazing at not striking out. I mean, in this era, to strike out as li- now the Phillies have some strikeout arms like Nola and Wheeler usually strike batters out. It's probably going to be harder to do that. I mean, Topper's been somewhat aggressive. He what? Um, I believe in the ninth inning on Friday, as I was there, I'm trying, I believe Sosu was on the field at third base to end the game Friday. Yeah, he's been playing third base pretty much since Alec Bohm threw that, that, that ball in, in game one. Game one. So I want to see more of that. 
Um, I, I expect late in the game we get Veerling and Marsh on the field. You know what he hasn't done yet, though? There's one spot that he has a, a body that's capable of doing it. Dalton Guthrie keeps making the roster. We haven't seen him. In the ninth inning, if they're winning, eighth and ninth inning, I want Castellanos off the field, and I want Dalton Guthrie on it. Like, there's just a better chance in this series the ball's in play because the Astros do not strike out. So, I mean, as soon as it's manageable, as soon as it's manageable, I'm obviously I could do it in the second inning or third inning or fifth inning when it's a tie game. I mean, eighth inning with a lead. I'm willing to get the whole defensive shift on the field. Veerling, Dalt, if, I'm assuming Dalton Guthrie will be on the roster, and Sosa. It feels like the bare minimum against a team that doesn't strike out. Yeah, I mean, and Thompson hasn't been afraid to go for broken games. I love that. I loved Friday what he did. I mean, it was a little bit like I was trying to think through the math. I was like, how's he going to get through this when he pulled Ranger, right? And it, it worked out great. I didn't want Ranger to face the top of that order again. I didn't want him to face Machado and Drury again. And it worked out because he was able to come back yesterday right? or, or on Sunday. Which uh, I think it was Matt Gale wrote about it. Like that started to get in their heads as soon as they took him out of the game Friday. Like we could bring him back if we need to soon. But when he took him out, I was like, this is the right call. But now how does he get the outs to finish this game? And then as, as soon as they got to the eighth, I was like, it's got to be Dominguez. Like, I know he's never done a six-out save, but this is it. This is the game. Yeah, and I I, I thought about it, and I, I tweeted about it, I think, the beginning of the, the Cardinals series. Having Dominguez, having Alvarado, and having Eflin at the back of your bullpen, and they've had varying degrees of success, but having three guys who are capable of going more than one inning is huge for this team right now, especially right. when you have guys like Pratt Hand. And Nick Nelson, although Nick Nelson was on the roster, but David Robertson's struggling. The fact that you only have three really good relievers right now and all three can go two innings it is huge for this team right now. It's big. Rob is up on WIP. Hey, Rob. Hey, Joe. How you doing, buddy? Good, Rob. How are you? Joe, listen, I'm going to talk about my head here, so give me some leeway, okay? okay. Yep. I'm trying to – listen, I called 18 today. I was having a problem with my cell phone, okay? Guess, who, guess what the guy's name was that answered the phone, Joe? Uh, what? Bryce. His name was Bryce, Bryce Joe. It, right? was, it, no. wasn't, it wasn't Harper, was it? No, it wasn't no. Harper. That would have been a little while. I would have played the Powerball then. But no, it was Bryce. Now, I'm kidding, of course. But, you know, I was like, okay, it was Bryce. It's not common, but it's not uncommon. So here's the second thing, Joe. The Eagles and the Phillies both played the Cardinals at the same time, okay, Joe? When the Phillies opened up the playoff series against the Cardinals, yep. the Eagles, the Eagles yep. are playing the Cardinals. Joe, guess who the Eagles are playing, Joe? When, 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 the when Texans. It's the Texans, Eagles, and the Astros, Phillies. That's right, Joe. Look at that, Joe. There's another omen, Joe. You know what? That's that's signs, Joe. You know what? All kidding aside, Tucker wrote all this that about first and this, first and this, first and this. You know what, though, Joe? On paper, we have no business winning. But you know what, Joe? It could be one of those years. You mentioned, like, with the DH and with the last wild card spot getting in. It might just be one of those years, Joe. You know what I mean? And I don't want it to end, like, with AI stepping over Tyron Lue. We lost that. You know what I mean? So people don't remember that as much as I want Bryce's home run to be remembered, Joe. You know what I mean? I don't want to go into this World Series and lose and not that home run be remembered for what it should be. You know what I mean? And he had his moment, Joe. You know what his moment was? The other night when Real Muto was on first and he took off running. He hit that gap or the right center. And he's staying on second. You can read his lips, Joe. You know what I mean? He's like, this is my bleeping house. Yeah. Uh, this that, is my house. It's amazing so, that that's like the second biggest hit he had this weekend. That's, yeah. that's crazy. Joe, you can, 
all through the TV when he's screaming at it. He's saying, you know, this is my bleep in hell. Yep. And then, Joe, he gets it. You know what, Joe? No matter what happens, the guy doesn't complain when we boo. He doesn't complain about this. He gets the Philadelphia fans. He gets the Philadelphia market. Not everybody can play here, Joe. Bryce Harper can play here anyway. You know what, Joe? I'm going to end with this. You ready? Mm-hmm. You're damn straight. It's Bryce Harper's house. Let's go, Phil. There we go, Rob. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah, I mean, Bryce Harper, I don't think what happens in this World Series will make that moment go away. Now, it's amplified. If the Phillies win the World Series, it's part of the legacy. It's part of the the, the special run that none of us saw coming. But I, I think that moment's going to last forever. I mean, the AI stepping over Tyron Lue, unfortunately, that was the comparison he's making is they didn't win the series. But I think that was, at bare minimum, the AI stepping over Tyron Lue moment. We still talk about that. I would compare it to Jimmy Rollins hitting that double off of Jonathan Broxton. Right. They didn't win that World they Series. They didn't win that World Series, but they won that pennant, and that's something that when he mentioned Jimmy Rollins, I think it takes about a half second for someone to bring up that highlight. Yeah, I mean, the moment will live forever. It was a, it was, it was basically a pennant-winning hit down a run. Jason Stark had a, a note in his column, there's never been a home run like that, like to win a pennant after your team had just blown the lead the, the inning before. Like there had been... Obviously, walk-off hits and, and pennant-winning hits and all that kind of stuff and, you know, game-winning hits in ninth inning or whatever. But there's never been a home run to flip the game after your team just blew the lead that late in a, in a, in a pennant-winning game ever. Like, it's one of the most clutch, big-moment home runs in the history of baseball. Brian is a Cherry Hill. What's up, Brian? Hey, what's going on, Joe? What's up, Brian? What are you thinking tonight? I you know, want to talk to you about three things. I was actually looking forward to this once they clinched the, uh, you know, go to the World Series to get on your show and talk to you. So I want to run a few things by you. I want to talk to you about the resiliency of this team and then I think where this resiliency is coming from, from Topper. And then, you know, just overall, I, I think we actually have a better offense than, than Houston. I realize they have a great starting pitching, but I, I think we can overcome that with our offense. So I just wanted to get your opinion on the resiliency of this team. And, and, you know, do you think it's coming from the fact that Topper is so calm and collected and cool in, you know, in the dugout, even if these guys, you know, ground into a crucial double play or, you know, a really crucial strikeout, make a, you know, defensive error out on the field, it just doesn't really seem like it bothers Topper. And I'm wondering if that is, you know, transferring into the players and if they're saying, hey, if my skipper's not worried about it, I'm not either. I think, Brian, I think it is. Um, it, it's interesting. You know, he's had such a unique career topper to get to where he is now. And But when he was young, I mean, he was sitting on the bench in New York next to Joe Torre. And Joe Torre was like that. Like, there was always like a circus in New York with that Yankee team because they were supposed to win every year. And he was just calm. And I, I think, I'm not sure if that's why toppers calm, but obviously, you know, being with him, maybe he kind of got a little bit of that. Like, hey, the, the calmer our manager is, the better the guys play. I think it is, Brian. I think they feed off of that. And, and, I mean, just think about the Bryce Harper home run. Look how calm he looked getting up to the plate. It looked like it, the moment wasn't big at all, even though, you know, it was. I think some of that comes from the manager. I think you're onto something there. Yeah, and I, and I think it was almost the opposite with Girardi, where yep. you could really see that he wore his emotions on his sleeve. He was either, you know, overly excited or he looked like he had a lot of concern on his face when one thing would go wrong in a game and I just feel like, you know, the players were feeding off of that, so that was making them, you know, more nervous or worried or whatever you want to call it. And I, I feel like that would affect their play on the field or whether or not they would swing at a pitch, 
you know, that they normally wouldn't on a 2-2 count where they, you know, they might be getting a breaking ball or something that's not necessarily in the zone, but they would swing at it or flail at it anyway. And I'm just wondering if that's transferring, you know, Topper's way now into the players. And that's why these guys are just going out there like, hey, if he's not worried about it, neither am I. I'm just going to go out there free swinging. I'm going to play my you know, my best ball, and their best ball has obviously been good enough. Yeah, and I think early in the year, Brian, I'm sure you remember, you know, like within five or six games, Girardi moved Schwarber down from the leadoff spot to like, you know, sixth or seventh, and he was, it just felt like he was managing very panicky, and I I think these guys, like we might talk about it, like, hey, should he do this? Should he, he doesn't manage like that. I think they go into the game and into these big moments with confidence. Like Reese Hoskins knows he's struggling. Topper's not going to bench him. Topper's not going to move him down the lineup. He just knows he, he believes in me. I, I think that lets these guys perform better. I mean, I, I think it all goes into it. I agree, and I, and I think that actually is part of where the resiliency of this team also comes from because in this past series, I mean, they came back and, and the Padres would – you know, punch us in the face. I mean, they get a good shot to our chin, and we would just – I feel like I'm watching the Rocky movie where, you know, he uh, you know where he, he grabs Rocky by his throat and says, you know, move your head. And, the, you know, and, and he gets up and he just takes another shot and gets up again and takes another shot. And I just feel like that's the Phillies. You know, they're getting – they're taking shots to the chin, but we're knocking these guys out. You know, they, they come up with a big home run or a big hit and they take a lead in the game – and it seemed like there were no faces on the Phillies that were worried that they were now behind in a crucial clinching game, like as if it was a regular season game. Totally. And then you, I know you wanted to mention the offense, Brian. We, we, when Howard was in earlier, we were going over the strength, like who has the advantage, right, in different areas. And, and we agreed that the, the pitching staff, top to bottom, is better with the Astros and the defense is better with the Astros. But I, you look at the, the lineup, and I think people would default and say the Astros are better. And, I, and, and in some areas, they don't strike out, but – one through nine, I don't necessarily think the Astros have a better lineup. I think one through four is pretty even. Five and six, that kind of middle, I think the Astros are a little bit better there. But you go down to the bottom, like seven, eight, nine. I like the Phillies at the bottom way better than the Astros. I'm, I'm with you 100%. I completely agree. I definitely think from top to bottom, we definitely have a better offensive lineup. And I realize that their pitching is – Stellar. I mean, it's you know probably one of the best staffs in baseball, and it's why they won over 100 games this year. So I'm not going to downplay that and say that you know we're going to just easily overcome that. But I feel like if there's enough, um, you know, just constant pressure from this lineup on this pitching staff that they may not have seen yet up to this point, that may start putting doubt in their mind. Or if they have to work harder, we, we you know we have a lot of guys on our team that take a lot of pitches, see a lot of pitches, and make these pitchers work. I don't necessarily know that the Astros have done that a lot this year, so I really feel like that could affect either A, pitches thrown, or B, how they're going to approach batters, and I really think that might give us an advantage. Yeah, I think so too, and Brian, man, I appreciate your phone call. It's a good call. I, I, one through nine, I think when those lineups are posted on, I mean, they probably might come out on Thursday for game one on Friday, I don't think it's a slam dunk the Astros are better. I mean, one through four I think is pretty similar. Different. I mean, they're they're built in different ways. They have less strikeout. Feels a little more pop one through four. But I think yeah, you kind of call that a wash. They have a definite advantage five six. Like when you get to the the Castellanos area and they have Kyle Tucker. I mean, they're they're better. But then you go seven eight nine. They have some they have some outs at the bottom. I mean, Chaz McCormick, a Westchester kid, had a good postseason so far, but he's not that much of a hitter. Trey Mancini hasn't done anything really since he got traded to the Astros. And Maldonado is an instant out. 
Phillies don't have that. Like, you go to the bottom, we're talking about Stott, who's had great playoff at-bats, Segura, who we, you know, we trusted a big spot. And you know, the bottom of the Phillies order, it, it's not bad. I mean, even Marsh, like, I was thinking about this today. I may have placed a very, very tiny bet on a long shot for the World Series MVP. Have you looked at Brandon Marsh's numbers against the Astros pitchers? I did see him strike out in half his at-bats in the NLCS. Well, that's true. It's probably why he's 150-1 to to win the uh, World Series MVP. But, so, would we agree he's probably not going to start the Framber Valdez games? That'll be Veerling? Yeah, that'll be a Veerling game. All right, so if you take those out, if you look at his numbers, Brandon Marsh against Verlander, uh, Javier, and McCullers, right, the other three starters he's going to play against, you know, he's been on base 10 times in 17 plate appearances. He's done really – I mean, he was with the same division. He's seen those guys a lot. I think Marsh could have a good series in the games he plays. So the bottom of the Phillies order, it is um, – I think it's better than the Astros. 215-592-9494. That's how you hop in. We'll come back. We'll get to all your phone calls. And we're going to have a special guest coming up as well, Mickey Morandini. We're, we're, we're trying to have guests this week that have been in this spot, right? A Phillies World Series participant, an NL champion with the Phillies. We know Mickey did this in 1993. We'll get his thoughts on the team, this matchup, and does he see any similarities between this World Series in 93, an upstart Phillies team, a juggernaut AL team, then it was Toronto, now it's the Astros. We'll talk to Mickey Morandini and all your phone calls coming up on Sports Radio 94 WIP. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.